Blog Talk Radio. Chatting with Sherry. Today we welcome award winning artist Jeff Sturton. He's also an author. He did a book uh, called The Last Cities of Earth, which is an anthology with several famous authors, including himself. Um, we're going to chat about that and art and all kinds of stuff. Here's Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Sherry. Thanks for having me back. I'm happy. Um, how are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to, to you, too. Um, uh, we're good. Uh, hunkered down like everybody else, but we're doing okay. It's a weird world right now. We The lockdown is just... Uh, you're on lockdown, you're out of lockdown. You're on lockdown, I you're know. out of lockdown. <laughs> Especially where you're at. Yeah. We've kind of plateaued a little bit up here, so... It's not as scary. It's mostly the hospitals. That's why they have it like that, because there's no hospital facilities available. I know. I know. You guys are all over the news yeah. all the time. Well, I'm I'm not in L.A., so it's not as bad as in San Diego as L.A. L.A. is right. really bad. I really, really feel bad. for those people because and I have a lot of friends there and I'm from I'm from LA so just it's very difficult to hear what's going on there so San Diego's not quite as bad well we just entered the they have different levels we just entered the highest the purple but basically it was um because they were trying to prevent our hospitals from also becoming overwhelmed so we we're we we're going through the same thing, but it's not the high high level as it is in LA. Right. Um. Uh. And also, it depends where San Diego's big, like LA. So it really depends where you are. Uh, I'm in the suburbs, so our um, stats aren't as bad as downtown San Diego. Right. Right. Yeah. Much like it is all across the country. Yeah. I mean, actually, uh, downtown San Diego is one of the nicest downtowns I've ever seen. It's not like uh, downtown L.A. So when I say downtown San Diego, people get this view of a terrible area with downtrodden and all that. Now, there's poor people there and rich people there, just like there is in downtown L.A., but it's all nice. I mean, really well-kept well and clean, and it's just a really nice downtown. <laughs> Right. I remember many years ago I was there for Comic-Con, and, uh, yeah, San Diego's a pretty city. It is. Well, I, wish, I hope I get to see downtown again. <laughs> oh, you will. Um, so, during lockdown, 
have you just been focusing on your art, or if you've been reading, or are you, I know you're you're doing a book too, but personal. Um, right. Are, right. are you reading, watching movies? How are you taking your mind off stuff? Well, um, being an artist, you know, we work a lot alone anyway. So in that regard, there's not a lot different. Um, Work-wise, but of course socially everything's changed. Um, uh, I'm an outdoorsman. I do a lot of uh, hiking and fishing, and camping. Living here in the Northwest, we uh, we're blessed to have uh, amazing country to do all that in. And we live out in uh, the foothills, so we're already out away from a lot of people. So we have uh, access to that, which has helped tremendously just being able to get out of the house and go for a walk in the woods. Uh, I read. My wife reads. Uh, We watch uh, movies. Of course, we've been fixated on the news, I think, like everybody else somewhat. Yeah. Um, Art-wise, I've had uh, to adjust. I, you know, I do a lot of shows usually, so all that has been uh, stopped. So, uh, luckily, my my illustration and cover work kicked up, so I've had a fairly busy year doing covers. I've done six covers this year. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, so that's kept me busy and out of trouble. Plus, I'm you know still working on Last Cities of Earth, um, the uh, the commercial release. Uh, I think we've pegged for July through Kevin J. Anderson's Word Fire Press. Uh, Kevin's a guy you might want to try to have on. I've had Kevin on. Oh, have you? Okay. Uh-huh, a couple Never times. Mind. Yeah, I um act once with uh, Stephen L. Sears, and once by himself. Right. Uh, with the with the commercial release, I actually have a story in the anthology. That's good. Kickstarter version and uh, written with Stephen. Uh, it, it's it's kind of mostly my story, but I had to have him come in and uh, and be the professional teacher and show me a few things and clean up behind me <laughs> <laughs> as, as I wrote. But, uh, yeah, I have a story in the, in the commercial release. So. Do you have and a, it'll be a new, oh, be a new cover for that one. Oh, cool. A new cover for the new one? Yeah, yeah, we'll have a new cover for the commercial I like release. the old one. <laughs> Pardon me? I like the other one. I know, one. I, well, um, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Um, do you have um, authors that you uh, go to that are your favorites? As in reading or mm-hmm. as reading. In working with? Reading. Reading. Definitely. Uh, it's changed through the years. As a young fan, uh, down in uh, Redding, California in the late 70s and early 80s, uh, the fan group I was with, we were voracious readers and collectors, so I was reading all kinds of science fiction and fantasy back in those days, but as I got older and life got busier, uh, especially uh, being an artist, uh, luxury reading uh, had to become more select, let's say. Um, So I have specific writers that I uh, go to uh, without thinking too much. Uh, Tim Powers, George Martin, of course, um, Kevin. 
uh, Anderson and uh, and uh, Brian Herbert, whom I also know, and uh, you know all the Dune stuff they've been doing. I'm such a Dune fan. I snap, snatch up every one they write. <laughs> um, of course, it helps being friends with them, I guess. Yeah. Um, I try to read. Uh, Stephen King, if I get some good reviews on his newest work, uh, I've been going through and rereading some classic short stories, uh, Harlan Ellison and others. To uh, since I'm writing in a, in a short, in a, I'm writing short stories myself that I, you know, I'm trying to go back through and study some of the some of the masters of the short story form. So. I was surprised at the difference between City on the Edge of Forever, the short story, and City on the Edge of Forever in the Star Trek episode. Right. Well, <coughs> Harlan talked a great length about that. He yeah. got pretty upset about all that. Um, but that just shows you how they can take something and change it. Yeah. Um, oh, I got very upset. Um with an Agatha Christie adaption, um, because in the in the book, it they changed the kill they didn't change the killer but they changed a lot of the characters and who who died and who didn't die. I mean, it was really changed a lot. It's one of um, it's it's a really uh, really good story. And I was like, oh my god, it, it's called, um, what's the name of it? Just blanked out. Why is it when you blank out, when you really want something? <laughs> I have the, the original version that Harlan released later. Um, when he finally got the rights to be able to do that, I guess. The thing about the original screenplay, it upset him so much that he submitted it to the Screenwriters Guild uh, for award consideration, and it won. It won the Mainstream Screenwriters Guild Award, if I'm not mistaken. So he got some revenge for that. That's Plus cool. Plus a ago as well. I, I actually never met him. Yeah, I, I knew Harlan. I wasn't close to him, but I knew him. Uh, very good friend of mine, David Gerald, of course, was his uh, protege in a lot of ways. Um, have you had David on? I haven't. Ha I met David at a local convention, and my cousin used to work with him, but I've never had him on. I, I'm, I, I've not had that kind of connection with him. <laughs> oh, uh, I can get you. I can get him on for you if you want. Oh, that would be cool. <laughs> uh, he'd be a great guest. That would be really, really cool. He's one of the writers in my anthology. Oh, I love his work. Well, my well, of course, my favorite uh, is um, I love all of his own work because I I bought it, but I have a kind of weakness for trouble with triples. <laughs> well, a lot of people do. Um, if you catch him at conventions uh, with his dealer's table set up, he mm -hmm. sells quite a few of those. That's how I met him. He was at his dealer's table. But no, I'll send him a message if you really want to have him on. I'd love to have him on. Big fan. All right, I'll see, I'll see what I can do. Um, 
Uh, I remember the name of the Agatha Christie. It's called Cards on the Table. Mm. One of his stories? No, it's, it's Agatha Christie's story. Oh, gotcha, sorry. Cards on the Table. The one I was telling you about, the, when the adaption, they it, they changed a lot of stuff. Right, right. I mean, I, I don't mind if an adaption changes, like, you know, what the characters are like, or they change where it's located and stuff like that. But people, there were two people who died. One person, they switched. Uh, there were two girls that were living together, and they switched which girl died and which girl was actually a killer. And then the other uh, person, uh, she didn't die. And then they made the two, the woman who uh, was supposed to die but didn't die, and the woman who did die in the book but didn't die in the adaption, mother and daughter, when they weren't. I mean, and I didn't know it because it was a really good episode of Perot. But um, I was reading a review of the book, and I realized, oh, I never read the book because it's completely, they're talking about it differently than what I saw in the adaption. So I can kind of really sympathize with poor Harlan about Star Trek when he's watching it one way and his his book, his beloved, um, not book, his beloved story is a completely different way. It, it's just strange. <laughs> he tells a story, uh, he was writing a pilot for a TV show, a science fiction show. It seems like it was in Canada, but I'm I could be mistaken, and I don't want to remember the names or anything. David could tell you at that length a million Harlan stories, by the way. <laughs> cool. Um, um, and he wrote the pilot, and he was a big part of it. It might have been his baby, and they took it and rewrote the whole script, and, uh, of course, Harlan flipped out, and the whole thing fell apart. Um, and that's one of the last things that he uh, he got involved in at that length, I think. Hmm. Uh, left a real bitter taste in his mouth. No, oh, oh. I mean, it depends on the author. You know, some authors, as long as it stays a basic story, they're cool. And then some authors don't are, are passionate, like Carlin. And then there's yeah. some authors that don't care. They just give me the money. <laughs> right. Well, again, people are people. So yeah. they're all over the place. Yeah. But, um... I don't know. It's it, it's confusing as a as a person who loves both film, TV, and books. I adore books. Um, I was like, there's a series I like called Miss Frisch's Murder Mysteries, but I was warned before I started reading the books that's completely different from the TV series, and that Carrie gave her okay to Carrie Greenwood, who wrote the series, gave her okay as long as there's certain circumstances that are kept the same, which they do. Um, but I noticed that in the books, it's so much more complicated. I mean, there's like four different storylines in the books when there's only one, maybe two in the series. Um, it's really interesting about adapting. Um, ha oh, yeah. have you, what would you do if you were offered to adapt one of your stories? <laughs> depends on the uh, medium, let's say, and uh, who's involved, um, their reputation, um, what they want to do to the story. 
and of course monetary issues come into play as well. So yeah, you have to be careful who you sell your rights to. Well, luckily I own rights to all the stories in the anthology. So uh, besides my own, uh, Stephen uh, has been a good teacher in a lot of ways. Uh, at some point, I will probably be uh, pitching this idea to, uh, I think we've talked about this before, but we want to expand it into other uh, platforms, including film. So um, when it comes to that, I'm not sure. I mean, you look at you look at Lee Child in the Jack Reacher books. I mean, there's, I don't know, close to 20 of these books. I don't know if you've ever read them. They're kind of male-dominated oriented, I guess, but... Uh, I've heard of it, but I've not read it. They're, they're great reads. They're fantastic reads. Very quick. Very well written. Um, but the character of Jack Reacher in the books, he's six foot five and 250 pounds. In the movies, Tom Cruise bought the film rights. Of course, Tom Cruise is five seven and 170 pounds. <laughs> so, you know, there was a lot of complaining and whining and people upset because that's you know, part of the part of the thing that makes Jack, who's a retired uh, uh, military intelligence guy, makes him such a badass. Is his size. I mean, he's a really big guy. He's bigger than I am. So, uh, little Tom Cruise playing Jack, it upset a lot of people. Even though Tom, give him credit, he did the demeanor of Jack quite well. He's just a small guy. Um, but Lee asked was asked about that quite a bit, though he didn't particularly like it, we don't think. Uh, the money must have been obviously something to do with it. So It's hard being an author. <laughs> well, I'm more, I'm more of an artist, so we'll see. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, can, I understand that. Um, like Dan Brown books, uh, I instead right. of uh, I love Tom Hanks so don't get me wrong but when I read Da Vinci Code I saw Harrison Ford It was mu he's much more of the teacher type and that the character is such a teacher he's always explaining right. things and, and maybe because of the Indiana Jones movies I don't know but I just and he's adventurous that's what I was, oh. was going to say is there an Indiana Jones uh He's he's an adventurer. I mean, the right. point of the books, the series, is that this is a a uh, he, he's a doctor of a, a certain field where you can take a symbology, which I think Dan made up because I don't know if there's such a word. <laughs> um, but he that's what he's a professor of, and he gets involved in all these adventures because he gets called in because he's a symbologist and he knows what the different symbols for the different cultures right. are. But so you have to be able to explain that, which Tom uh, Hanks is very good at, and then go off and be able to protect yourself and save the girl and all the other stuff, which Tom Hanks is okay at. Harrison Ford would have been much better because he could have done both. <laughs> <laughs> That's my no personal feeling. No bias there, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, like I said, I really like Tom Hanks, but Harrison Ford is hot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
girl's point of view. Uh, <laughs> even older. You know, some men like um, Cary Grant age really well. Harrison's doing good. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> well, I'm sure you have the same feeling about women. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to the potential, I guess, they're doing it, the uh, next Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, me too. I I can't wait. I know that people... I actually really liked the last one. I I, I thought it was really good. I, I, I mean, it's Indiana Jones. You, you, what kind of intellectual stuff do you right. expect in it? It's, it's an not, adventure story. It's, it's a, not Casablanca. I mean... It, I, I, people went a little far in their criticism. I don't think it was fair. Right. Well, people do that. Yeah, but you know, those I, type of movies you just enjoy them. You don't, you know, you yeah. don't critique them too hard. That's what the point is of an adventure story: is just to sit back and enjoy the adventure, go with them on the adventure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I like. I, I mean, that's why you watch Bond movies. You expect great intellectual stuff from a James Bond movie. I mean, it's pure fantasy. Yeah. 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 It's a movie you immerse yourself in. See, I do watch guy stuff. I just don't watch some guy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you have to check out one of the Jack Reacher movies. Sorry, I'm not really a... Tom... Um, Tom, what's his name? <laughs> Blanked down his name. That's how much I like him. Cruise. Tom Cruise. I'm not really a fan. <laughs> I'm not either. Not really. Uh, I do, I do, I do have to say, The Edge of Tomorrow. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. It's a science fiction film. Came out just a couple of years ago. I highly recommend it. It's really well done. It's with Tom Cruise. I was really surprised. Yeah, mm -hmm. the lead, but it's um, it's uh, it's got a great character arc. Um, it's like Groundhog Day in a way. Hmm. I, I check it out. Yeah, I think you'll like it. Okay. I love I love I love I love thrillers. I love adventure movies. I love fantasy. I love science fiction stuff, but I'm also a girly girl cuz I like Jane Austen and <laughs> Right. Well, there's a very 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 strong female character that's co-equal Tom Cruise in this. In fact, she's his teacher for a long time. So, uh, I recommend it. Cool. Yeah, um, that's one of the reasons I like the new Wonder Woman because uh, it's a very powerful woman, and right. even though the guy's not—he's not a wimp at all—he—he—he he, he doesn't take away from her power. Not just because she's, uh, you know, a superhero, but because right. she's just a really intelligent woman. Right. Uh, I, I want to see the new one. I haven't seen it yet. They, no, I, I don't I have the the streaming service. Right, HBO. Yeah. So when I get, I, I'm, I'm like, can't you guys put it on demand? <laughs> you know, where I can see it. Unfortunately, it's not getting it's not getting great reviews. Oh. What I understand, yeah. And not the uh, leads. The Just leads the were good, right? Pardon me? The leads are good in it. Yes. Just the movie overall, I guess. Is the writing? The, right, the writing, yeah. 
it you know it, you know it, I, it, I talked to yeah. enough screenwriters if the word isn't there the movie isn't there right and again it's a movie I think those type of movies they, they get critiqued a little it's a movie they just go along with the ride I mean, mm-hmm. you know the Superman Batman the Ben Affleck movies you know he, he got such uh, harsh critiques from certain corners um, fandom I think they generally like most of the movies uh, Justice League mm-hmm. of course the first Wonder Woman movie like you said is, uh, is a really really good film it's a really well done movie I, I was yeah, very all, pleased all yeah. I mean great writing great acting great scenes great costumes it was just very uh, special effects very well done and granted when you have all that in a genre movie it, it, it does make it a, a really, really good movie, but again, people take these things a little too serious, I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, critics have always been harsh. Yeah, yeah. well, that's their job. I that's guess. their I job. But I, uh, there was a critic from L.A. that I always liked because one of the things he used to do, and I, and I don't see it in critics today, when he criticized the movie, he criticized the movie. He never criticized the actors. You know how some critics tear actors, well, this person just sucks and da 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 da. He never does that. He will say this character didn't work or the scenes didn't click right or something. He was, he, his name was David Sheehan. He just passed away he recently. He, was, he wasn't mean, in other words. He was never mean. He was a very nice man. But, I mean, he was honest. He told what he thought about the movie. But he never tore at the people that were the creators. He just talked about the structure and the characters and what clicked with him and what didn't. I've done a lot of portfolio reviews for artists. It's it's constructive criticism is what you want to give. You want to point things out where they can be corrected. Yeah. Sounds different, of course, but you know you don't want to be don't want to be mean. That's why I'm not really a fan of Siskel and Ebert. They're, they're, well, Siskel's gone. Ebert's old and retired, but they were so mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was part of the shtick, I guess. Uh, and there's people that like that, I suppose. I'm just not one of them. No, I'm not either. Like I said. Um, if I had a choice, I would either watch David Sheehan or read his review in the paper. I just... I don't like nasty. You don't have to be nasty. You can be a great critic and be honest and not be nasty. <laughs> right. Right. Well, people are weird. I know. Have you felt Maybe. that way about anybody who might have uh, touched on your art in the wrong way? Has anybody done that? Oh, well, like in a critique in some way? Yeah. Um, let me think. Well, I've had, you know, when I was younger, of course, I would have my art critique. Uh, when you're coming up through fandom and a young pro artist in science fiction, the art show circuit and conventions and things, you run into the, a lot of the older masters. Uh, back in my day, Frank Kelly Freeze and these type of guys, and... Uh, they would always sit down or come over to your panel and, and go over stuff with you and point this out and tell you how to do this and show you how to do that. 
and uh, it was never harsh by any means. It was always uh, very positive. So no, I can't, I can't think of anything. Oh, because when you're an new. author, you get it. You get right. snapped at really bad. Now, if I'm hanging in a gallery somewhere with, you know, an art critique critic coming in, then I, I have no idea what they're going to do or say. But I've never heard of anything. Because um, my first book, someone actually said that it was a waste of paper. Wow. I mean, I had a lot of good critiques, a lot of really good critiques, tens and stuff like that. And But the ones that stick with you were the bad ones. <laughs> I never forgot it. <laughs> I mean, Harlan tells a story when he was at Ohio State that his writing teacher told him he should take some other way of making a living because you would never do it as a writer. Well, take your criticisms with a grain of salt, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Now, with my, new, with my book coming out, uh, Kevin's getting ready to send it off to reviewers for the next five or six months. So the anthology, Last Seeds of Earth, will be under review, so I'm very interested to see what they say. Um, I ha I'm sure it's going to be great. We'll see. Thank you. There's 14 stories in the book, and uh, we'll see. Well, you have great authors. I, I've got some great authors, yeah. They're all great. <laughs> so, uh, when is the book coming out? July It's what Kevin has told me. And are you going to be doing any virtual stuff for it? Uh, I haven't gotten that far. You mean it's promotion? Yeah. I'm sure uh, something will be in the works, maybe something with Kevin. Uh, next fall, uh, when the virus hopefully is a bit under control and uh, we can start going back to, to conventions and gathering, I'm supposed to be the guest of honor at two conventions in the fall, one in late September here in Seattle area called Rusticon and the other down in L.A., in November called Loscon. Uh, and if those do happen, we'll definitely be promoting the book. Probably have them with me at the conventions. And many of the writers will be there. David Gerald, Stephen, L. Sears. So. Cool. Uh, people I like. <laughs> in fact, the Rusticon, I believe, Elizabeth Van Clark is, is kind of the head of programming and an old friend. She is trying to get most of the writers involved in the anthology to come to the convention, so it would actually kind of be a Last Cities of Earth theme. Cool. At the at Rusticon, yeah. That's so, exciting. David, David is the writer guest one. I forgot to mention. Oh. David Gerald. David yeah. Gerald, yeah. That's exciting. That is really cool. It would be so cool to really have your own themed convention. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's all kind of weird to me in a lot of ways. You know, having these uh, amazing writers come into my sandbox and play around. That's <laughs> a Stephen L. Sears quote, by the way. I, I, I can see that. Yeah, that sounds like yeah. Stephen. Who <laughs> <laughs> was a tremendous help with me on this project. He's got two of his own stories in the book, uh, besides helping me with mine. He's such a good writer. He's just a good friend. Uh, we get on the phone together. I mean, next thing you know, three hours have gone by. Yes, he's good at that. 
<laughs> he is a talker. Yes. I never have to worry about him. <laughs> no. He's one of those guys when you're on science fiction panels a lot, especially uh, the big conventions when you got 500 people in the audience looking at you. It's good to have somebody like him who can take up the slack. Yeah. Uh, He's great. Um, in fact, um, his uh, I just did an interview with him, and it got tops in blog talk for entertainment. I saw that. I saw that the other day. Yeah. Congratulations. So that was really cool. I was happy for him. Yeah, he's so entertaining. He's just. He's a blast. Yeah. He's really smart and really funny. When we did when he did the Cena conventions, it was always you 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 just sat back and watched because you knew that he was going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's that way, just on a phone call. So yeah, true. That's that's who you see. That's true. Um, we're coming to the end. Um, do you have any virtual events that um, you want to tell the audience about? I have to double check, but I believe NorwestCon, which is our annual big convention here in Seattle, I believe it's virtual in April. Um, I know it is, and I, and I believe I will have artwork and possibly be doing virtual panels during it. You'd have to look the date up. I don't have it with me, but it's in April, NorwestCon. Um, after that, uh, MissCon in Missoula, Montana over Memorial Weekend. That will also be virtual. I'll be involved in that. Um, Todd Lockwood will be involved in that. Oh, cool. He'll also be involved in the NorwestCon one. Uh, and then, let me think. Then my convention's in the fall, probably. Uh, we're probably going to be getting together something uh, to launch a Kickstarter this summer for the for an art book long overdue uh, with a lot of the last cities of earth art in it cool. we're going to try to coincide that launch with the launch of the commercial book so they can kind of uh, help each other uh, with uh, publicity so that'll be a big summer event cool and um, for uh, people who haven't heard you before, do you have a website? We do. Uh, several places you can go. Uh, Facebook, uh, Jeff Sturgeon's Last Cities of Earth has its own page. Uh, the Art of Jeff Sturgeon also has another page. And then jeffsturgeon.com is my website, which is under construction. We're revamping it and adding a store and doing a bunch of cool stuff to the website. So, and are you on Instagram yeah. or Pinterest? I am store? Jeffrey L. Sturgeon. I post a lot of stuff on Instagram. I also run a Patreon page uh, where I put up a lot of concept art and cover stuff that I'm working on. And uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, though, though I'm not on there quite. Quite as often as I should be. Cool. So I'm all across social media, basically. That's good. I'm I'm surprised you're not on Pinterest because that's all pictures. Right. You can find my art on there, though. Oh, okay. Okay. If you Google me, uh, my art pops up 
in the strangest places. <laughs> well, that's fine. As long as we can get people get to see it, that's what the good stuff is. Your art's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I cherish mine that you sent me. It's beautiful. I'm, I'm glad you like it. Um, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to come on my show. I really appreciate it. Sherry, thank you very much for having me back. Thank you. Thank you for chatting with Sherry.